on this episode of Japan 2.0. I'm not like a big foodie, but I remember like feeling like I could cry. I think I was really hungry. <laughs> I, I hadn't eaten all day, but I remember eating it and like almost feeling like emotional. Hey, Japan 2.0 in the house. In the house. Yes, literally. It's been so long since our uh, on the spot <laughs> recordings. Remember, we. Yeah. I don't know if you get you probably. I think the viewers probably like it more. The sound quality's uh, been much better during the pandemic. But uh, Matt and I used to do most of our recordings, maybe eighty percent before the pandemic would have been like live on lo- on location. Yeah, yeah. I, I still find those episodes to have a little, a little charm that, you know, with the background noise and and stuff like that. Oh, I yeah. Yeah. The reason I, I, I so used to like, I, I think the, the sound quality was pretty good for the um, <laughs> for what we had at the time. I do agree, our sound quality has improved now that we have these microphones. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. There's something I I mean, I definitely miss hanging out. <laughs> So yeah. we'll definitely, as soon as we get our, our jabs. Yeah, maybe in about what month and a half or so, Matt and I might be able to meet up again and do some recordings. Yeah, hopefully we could do some travels. I mean, mm. I'm, I'm a, I got my fingers crossed that I'm going to have a summer vacation coming up. And I have my fingers crossed that I'll get, get a, at least a week or two in, of travels, you know, before, uh, uh, before I go back to school. But, Where do you want to um, go? Do you have anywhere in mind to go? You know, at this point, it doesn't matter. I'll go anywhere, you know, yeah. uh, local, far away, you know. It's just take a trip somewhere that I've never been before, and I'd be happy. Mm. Um, um, but, you know, but while I'm there, you know, gotta I'll be... Gotta eat some of the food. I'm going to be eating all kinds <laughs> of good food. <laughs> good transition, Matt. How's, how's that for uh, a segue? It's <laughs> a good segue. Yes, today's episode is about seasonal and regional foods. We could probably do two whole separate episodes on this, but uh, we're going to give you a double double whammy, two for the price of one today. And I think we're going to start off with uh, regional foods first. So we'll kind of just yeah. give you an o- overview of uh, regional foods before we kind of get in and we'll go through each region. Um, I, I was kind of like questioning, like, what's the point of regional foods or trying to, uh, I guess I always kind of compare it back to, you know, where we're from in the States and like, uh, in 2021, like, why do we have regional foods with globalization and, you know, you can ship things anywhere now. Like, uh, what's kind of the point? Cause I guess re- regional foods originally started with like local produce, right. And there's no way to like get those things in other places a long time ago. Yeah. I think, I mean, everyone around the world probably takes it for granted, you know, that, we have access to avocados and peaches and strawberries all year round. You know, it's not something that existed probably, you know, a couple hundred years ago. Even right. Probably which, sooner than that. Which gets a little bit into the seasonal territory because when you do move to Japan, we experienced this in Korea too, um, that 
I, globalization maybe is the wrong term for this, but like that connection with other countries, um, in terms of probably like free trade agreements and stuff, you, you do see a difference, uh, in the countries. Mm. And, you know, I guess uh, the States where we're from is pretty famous for having a lot of global connections because we get produce everywhere. Uh, any time of year you can eat peaches or strawberries or whatever. And the quality generally is good. Um, we're out here. That isn't the case. Oh, right. you couldn't find a strawberry right now if your your life depended on it. That's things. right. Right now would be the worst time. <laughs> it just just ended about a month ago, but um, yeah. so that's really weird too. Again, depending where you're from in the world, for us as Americans, it was strange to not be able to find that stuff anywhere. So it is interesting that like, yeah, we can take a lot of gra- a lot for granted now, and this whole seasonal regional thing is kind of going away. But I do think stepping into Japan is kind of like going back. We always say this about Japan, but it's kind of going back in time, uh, maybe. 30 30 40 years in in this sense would you agree yeah yeah i definitely agree with that i think that um if you come to japan you're bound to hear at some point whether you got the lonely travel what is it the lonely planet i haven't used one in a while lonely planet you go on the internet whatever whatever guide you're using somebody's going to mention regional foods and usually the one that you hear is here in kansai in osaka and that's takoyaki and okonomiyaki like mm. somebody's gonna say hey have you tried the osaka favorite which is ok- okonomiyaki and uh but the the funny thing is you could go to tokyo and get okonomiyaki and takoyaki i mean it's really like you could find these things in other places hey but don't forget kobe beef in kansai yeah, the kobe beef of course <laughs> yeah. yeah that's yeah. probably the most famous <laughs> and uh but but uh there's still a fame you know it's like a famous item mm. and everyone recognizes that so like even even when you're in tokyo like when i went met up with my friend to have takoyaki for the first time i had it in tokyo and he said oh this place makes it just like osaka and i was like oh okay <laughs> you know i wouldn't know the difference but yeah. um but certain places regions are famous for particular foods yeah, I, like the one that I noticed, it's not maybe so famous, but like getting ramen. Uh, we live in Kansai, and it's kind of hard to find shoyu ramen or miso ramen where we are. And um, those are my t- two favorites. And donkatsu or kind of pork-based ramen is not my favorite. I, I like it, but it's really heavy, and it's hard to eat on the regular. It'd be more of like a special occasion thing. Or if I'm going to eat mm-hmm. ramen regularly, I probably won't show you ramen because it's lighter. And um, I, I yes, you can find it. But I will say it's much harder to find. And then also, I think the quality of shoyu ramen yeah, is better in Tokyo. Oh, definitely. Yeah, you could find... Even when I was in Nagoya, I found better um, shoyu ramens and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, I, I think there definitely are specialties, you know, yep. based on like how famous that item is in the region or yeah. the prefecture. Yeah. And then there's other things too. Like when you go to Hokkaido, there's just, it's famous for corn. I don't know why, but there's corn everywhere. (laughs) Well, yeah. Yeah. Hokkaido, I would say, yeah. Kansai, maybe we're we're partial because we live here, but I would say number one most famous is Hokkaido. Like even when I'm in like Mm. Hong Kong or in Korea, I see like Hokkaido stuff being advertised where. I never really saw like any Tokyo food being advertised as particularly Tokyo outside of Japan or maybe you get takoyaki, but you know, takoyaki isn't even technically from Osaka, but I guess my point is that 
I think Hokkaido food is probably the most pushed regional food. Would you agree? Yeah, you see it a lot. In fact, today I, I went to one of the markets um, near my near my home, and they had a pop up shop that was all Hokkaido goods: Hokkaido mm-hmm. beers, Hokkaido ramens, Hokkaido specialties, corn. <laughs> Why is and, that? Why do you think Hokkaido is so known for its food? Since you've been there, Matt. Uh, well, you know, there seems to be a big dairy um, mm. production, you know, going on in Hokkaido and Sapporo. So they they tend to like push a lot of dairy products, cheeses, mm. milk. Uh, Hokkaido milk is kind of kind of famous out there you know you see made with hokkaido milk hokkaido ice cream i mean it's not really things that are that special you know that you can't get you know from somewhere but um the quality right the quality yeah or how local it is you know i mean people still take a lot of pride in the the food that they're serving you here in japan Mm -hmm. and so i think that uh you know the ingredients make a big difference and if they they're getting it fresh they're more proud of it I've also had a theory that like organic and local food isn't that big of a deal here compared to back home. And I think it's because it's just the norm <laughs> where like back home that wasn't the norm. So there was a push to go back that way where in Japan, I think relatively, of course, um, the local food has always been a thing and it's not really, it's kind of like obvious. I think mm-hmm. it's easy and it's, it's cheaper because it is local and Japanese people are very um, aware and conscious of costs. So, yeah, I think they never really moved away from that for whatever reason. So there didn't really need to be a big local organic movement. Don't get me wrong. Like, you do see farmers markets here. You do see things marked as organic. And, you know, it is seen to be better or special. But the push for it or, like, the advertising or the focus seems to be much less, um, which I think is interesting. It just seems to be kind of ingrained in the culture and considered normal. Yeah. Yeah, I think historically you know japan's i mean the culture is so old right Mm. that people have this association with certain foods from certain places just because that's where it grew or like you were saying earlier you know that's the seasonal item that they have or that's what they grow or that's what they got from the west you know and they became famous for and so there's still there's still this idea that if you're looking for something like i don't know curry soup you would mm. go to Hokkaido. You would go to Sapporo. That's like famous for curry soup, right? And yeah. everyone knows when you go to Sapporo, you're going to have to try the curry soup. I think the reason, one reason why Hokkaido's food is so famous is, um, of course, like the climate. It's, you know, extreme north in Japan. It's on a different island. So the colder temperatures, things like curry soup, you know, it's going to warm you up. So that's kind of why that's well known. Or they, they just have a lot of land there things are generally pretty spread out and it's very similar to somewhere like North America. Again, um, it kind of reminds me again, I've not been, but the impression of it or how it's kind of advertised reminds me a lot of like a Wisconsin, um, or just really Midwest, like North Midwest, particularly. Um, and those places are known for all the same things like dairy and corn. And yeah, I just see a lot of parallels of that. So I think it has a lot to do with climate would be similar to those places. And then, um, you know, Besides Sapporo, there's not like huge cities or anything, so there's a lot of just open space and uh, land available for farming. Yeah, that so makes that's, sense. That's been my theory. So yeah. Anyway, Kansai, Hokkaido, Okinawa, also famous, right? Hmm. 
Um, those are the big ones, just to kind of give you an overview. I, I kind of want to go to- Tokyo, you know. Yeah, I, I think Tokyo. You know, Tokyo is usually king, right? Like whatever it is, you know, Tokyo is the thing that does it the best or the biggest. I think in this case, I don't hear or see Tokyo foods push that much. So, for example, do you think, if I look- do you think it's because it's so metropolitan that it just has a little bit of everything anyway? Because everybody from every prefecture has moved there and brought their regional specialties. Yeah, for sure. And then I think also because it is such a big deal place that that food is spread throughout the rest of Japan so well. So mm. Edo Sushi, right, is for me the big one um, besides Shoyu Ramen. Um, for me personally, most people would say Edo Sushi. So Edo Sushi, right, is like kind of your classic like nigiri, just really, really simple, no sauces or anything like that. You know, a lot of people will still eat it with their hands, um, mm-hmm. served on a bamboo leaf, all that. That is just so spread out that it's like you don't need to go to Tokyo to get it. Or like, <laughs> I don't know, like, yeah, Tokyo's got good sushi, but they have good everything. I don't know. I don't think particularly the things that Tokyo is known for, it does any better than it does all the other food that is already doing great. Um, yeah, I, I think I think part of it is because of tourism and that mm-hmm. they want people to do domestic tourism from Tokyo, I mean, which is, you know, one of the biggest population populated areas in Japan, yeah. if not the big, biggest, which I imagine it would be if you can, mm. you know, include all the, the neighboring prefectures. But, um, you know, you want people to come down to Fukuoka and Osaka and, you know, and try try things. And one way to do that is just to have those specialty foods, you know, or have something outside of the city. Yeah. I um think I think that that's true. Um, is there any kind of big overview stuff before we get into some like deeper deeper cuts? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think that you know we I think we pretty much covered it. I'm hungry. Right. I'm hungry. Yeah. <laughs> so those are like some of the obvious ones. You know, like if you don't know about Japan, you probably know about those or you've heard about it through Japanese culture in some way. So we're going to kind of go through the ones that maybe we didn't know about uh, so much or they're just kind of interesting, uh, but we have learned about in our time here so far. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're kind of just going to go through a list and we're not going to talk about everything, but we're just going to talk about the ones that, that we know or that we like. I do think that if there's a particular food that comes from the prefecture that you like, you know, make sure you share. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we're going to start with Hokkaido, of course. And mm-hmm. yeah, one of the first ones on there is awesome because of the name alone uh which is literally in japanese called genghis khan of course it's said accented um but yeah genghis genghis khan Khan. i think is what it's called yeah yeah and that's just barbecue so like i i guess what we what i grew up calling mongolian barbecue uh of course genghis khan's the most famous mongolian so they just went straight uh, to him and, and Japan, and they call it Genghis Khan. So it's like you're yeah. eating Genghis Khan. It's so strange. I've been fortunate enough, uh, fortunate enough to have this, yeah. and um, typically it's lamb. Right. It's uh, it's grilled lamb. Uh, you could get other meats, but that mm. that's what they're famous for. And uh, it comes on a like it's a a domed griddle, and mm. then you cook it on top of the domed griddle, and and they've added other sides to it like kimchi and dipping sauces and things like that and mm-hmm. it I, I love lamb and i know it's an acquired taste some people love it some people think it's too gamey it. or too too uh they taste the grass you know yeah <laughs> and, 
but I don't I don't taste any of that. I, I think it's just straight straight up delicious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, that was a really nice treat uh, when we when we went there. There's a Sapporo um, beer the Sapporo museum. beer museum, and they had it outside, and it was like an awesome experience, and it was mm. delicious. Yeah, highly yep. recommend checking out that museum. So that's a cool one. Uh, again, this one people probably know about, but you got to mention it. The miso ramen with like a, a little slab of butter and corn on top of it is very Hokkaido style. And yep. I still like, so again, I live here. I love ramen. I'm eating ramen whenever I can. And I've never had it. Yeah, I've had miso ramen, but I've never had like found a place out here that does the butter mm. and it like the full on Hokkaido style. Have, yeah. have you had it with the butter? And no. Everything? Well, yeah, yeah. I had it out in, um, Hokkaido when I was there and yeah, yeah it's great mm. I, I can't tell that much of a difference from the miso broth and the uh, tonkatsu broth because they're both I think they're both still port based I don't think it's just straight uh, miso so but mm. I think it's like a combination of miso and the pork stuff but mm. yeah yeah I got some with the corn in it and it was great very rich right it was very rich. It was very rich, but it was a really cold night, and uh, it was a the right time to have it. You know. Hmm. Uh, anything else for Hokkaido before we move on? Oh, well, I would say their curry soup. You oh, know, curry it's, soup. It's, yeah. They're kind of famous for curry soup, and um, it's basically like a bowl of of um, curry. It's kind of got like coconut milk and peanuts and stuff like that, and and there there's all sorts of places that serve it. But it's really good, man. They have some good curry soup out there, and uh, you eat it with rice, or sometimes you could even get noodles in it. And yeah, I highly recommend it if you go. It's got grilled vegetables that they put on top. There's a couple of nice places downtown Sapporo. Outside of Hokkaido, the places that usually have it are very bohemian neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and I I really like it. But I, I get the feeling of by the way you're describing it, like the ones I've had don't have coconut base which i love i would totally get that in a heartbeat yeah um, yeah some I have peanut peanut base some have coconut yeah. base i mean really good stuff and that's kind of rare to find so yeah for some reason outside of hokkaido it has a kind of bohemian connotation to it um which i think is interesting because i don't know i guess curry is worldly Cur- or something i don't know yeah curry has that bohemian connotation I but guess in Japan, be- cur- curry's a diamond dozen. It's everywhere. You know, people's moms are making it at the house. Like nothing <laughs> special. But curry soup, particularly, is kind of like a cooler for whatever reason. Curry. Yeah, yeah, and it's really good. It's not that hard I- to make. I've made it before, and it came out pretty close. But, oh, nice. But it is it is a specialty if you get it at a restaurant. It's a little better, of course. All right, moving right along to to Hoku. Uh, neither of us have been there, so we probably don't have much no. to say. But I was looking at the list, and there is one thing on here that I do end up eating a lot in Japan, and I didn't know it's uh, regional to Tohoku because we we do have it out here, pretty easy to find. And that is yutan. Yutan is yutan. beef beef tongue. Um, and I like yakiniku a lot. Um, before the pandemic, I would probably get it about once a month if it's my birthday or something like that. It's always the the meal I tend to choose. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of traditional 
you know, Japanese take on Korean barbecue. And um, the gyuta in some places, if you go to like all you can eat or something like that, they make you eat it first. Like it's like the almost like a service, but you're paying for it anyway. Because um, <laughs> it's like the lowest level. Um, and beef tongue, if you've never had it, to a lot of people, you know, if you've not traveled the world or been to a lot of, a lot of countries do it in different ways. I fell in love with beef tongue uh, with Mexican culture when I was living down in Texas. Oh, um, yeah. Beef tongue tacos and stuff are so, so, so good. And uh, Linguas in LA. Linguas. Man, yeah. It's, it can't be beat. So that set the bar high. And I was like, man, I didn't know it, but I'm a secret beef tongue lover. So when the gyutan is like so cheap on the menus here, it's like a quarter of the price of all the other beef. I was like, this is awesome. But it is not, for me at least, uh, the yakiniku style, I don't like it. It's very chewy. And it's what you think beef tongue would be like. But again, other countries, culture, cultures do it in a way where it's not at all chewy and it's the softest meat. But yeah, uh, yeah gyutan, again, I'm sure there's like really good places to get fast. it. It's just yeah. cooked too fast here, you know, where people mm-hmm. will cook it a lot slower in mm. the states if they you want it tender i think um yeah you and i had it in tokyo uh we went to some i forget what that little shotengai places outside of um uh, nakameguro there's like this little alley it's like oh. all street vendors and stuff but um yeah we had some there and I, I, that was my reaction too like it was just barbecued on the grill and it was good i mm. i enjoyed it but it wasn't the best beef, beef tongue I've had. That's but, right. Um, yeah, but I don't know. Maybe we need to go to... Where was it? Uh, the, Tohoku. Which prefecture? Tohoku, Tohoku yeah. yeah. Tohoku. Fukushima. Yeah. 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 All right. Maybe maybe uh, they do it right. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they do. All right. So we're going on to Kanto, which is like Tokyo, all the way over to Chubu, which is Nagoya area. So like okay, uh, yeah. central to eastern Japan. And, well, um, I got to mention gone. one from Tokyo. Tokyo Banana. Tokyo Banana, yeah. Hey, That's... If you, do you have a song with the show? I, I just <laughs> Is it Tokyo Banana? Tokyo Banana by uh, Aqua yeah. Gorilla, of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, that. that would be a perfect one. But um, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's kind of like there are snack foods that are famous in different regions as well. Like, uh, And Tokyo Banana has... It's kind of like the famous one. Yeah. So omiyage encapsulates more than food. It could be like items as well, non-edible items. But I would say most of all, it is food and snacks, and they're prepackaged and sold in fancy little boxes you can share at the office. I, I hate omiyage culture. Like, before I came here, it sounds great. Oh, how nice and how considerate and, you know, what a cool thing. But the reality of omiyage for me is very burdensome. And I find uh, a lot of people aren't really sincere about it. It's just like an obligation. And I don't actually think they taste that good either. Like you could go to Tokyo and go to any shop and get any pastry and it's going to taste better than Tokyo banana. <laughs> yeah. There, there are a couple of things. I, I will say since we're in the region, um, during my trip to Nagoya, we there was a bakery that sold these dequas, like these little dequas kind of like... It's in between a macaroon and a uh, like a sponge cake. Okay. And it had butter on the, in the inside, like a buttercream mm. in the inside. And man, those things were great. 
I brought a whole bunch of them back for, mm. you know, my coworkers. <laughs> yeah. But usually what I do for omiyage is I usually get like a, two boxes, one's for like, you know, the office staff and the others for like all the other people I work with and it's like first come first serve, you know. Mm. Send it out on the slack. Yeah. Come That's get your I'm... omiyage or, or it's before it's gone, you know. That's how we do it too. Yeah, it's um, the best way to do it. Yeah, there are good ones, but they're few and far between, I think. And Tokyo Banana, for me, it's all right. Average. And you can get it anywhere now. So, again, the point of Omiyage was, like, you had to go there to get it. Hmm. Or, or some, of the, some of the bigger ones. This this French uh, thing you mentioned, I can't even repeat the name. Uh, De Croix. <laughs> yeah, so, something like that you're not going to maybe be able to get outside of those areas. But, like, yeah, the bigger ones, most of them, 80% of them, 70% of them. I uh, can like go to the airport and get them or at the Shinkansen stations. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, you don't even need to be in like that city. Like you can yeah. at your home station, you know, you can get it. Like the um, little stand outside of my Caldi. Yeah. 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 It's like cheating. Caldi Cal- is like a gourmet market. Yeah. Really then, small. Yeah. Has always plays Latin music. <laughs> you could probably get um, Tokyo banana there <laughs> sometimes. Right. So con- oh, Tokyo area. I have to mention this one because like, I personally not really into it and I had it much, but like my Japanese friends and students always talk about it and it's manja yaki and manja yaki is like kind of like okonomiyaki, uh, but it's like much doughier. It's like runny. So it's like runny, runny okonomiyaki. Um, it's very like blue collar kind of food. And a lot of my students say it's like their favorite food. So, I, I just hear about it a lot, and it's one that's mentioned a lot, so I kind of got to throw it out there. Yeah, I'd, I'd give it a go. I don't mind battery kind of kind of okonomiyaki. Mm. Sometimes you bite into one, and it's just like straight up not cooked inside and burns your whole mouth. Yeah. You can't get it out. Another big one, and again, I think this is Nagoya area, um, is miso tonkatsu. So like the sauce that you get isn't like traditional bulldog sauce. It's uh, like kind of like a miso based one. Mm. Um, I really love everything miso. So uh, that one, that one's great for me. I don't know if the Goya is famous for miso in general because they also have like a miso udon that's pretty famous too from there. But I'm a big miso fan. So I'm I'm hard on Nagoya, but maybe uh, next time I go to Nagoya, I just got to eat up all the miso stuff and I'll be happy. You, you've you've dissed Nagoya a few times, you know, saying yeah. it's got no soul, but maybe the soul lies in the the miso. Maybe, maybe a, a soul of soy. Hmm. <laughs> uh, anything else you want to say for Nagoya or no, Tokyo? No, I think that like we, nothing that we haven't said already. Yeah. I'm sure there are a number of things, but yeah, let's move on. All right, so we're next to our area, which is Kansai, which we talked about some of the famous ones. We talked about okonomiyaki, but I want to hit on that okonomiyaki didn't come from Osaka. It actually came from uh, Akashi, which is in Hyogo. And I think the Akashi ones um, are a little Akashiyaki. more... Akashiyaki. Yeah, I think it's more, right? Yeah. Oh, Akashiyaki. Have you ever had it? No, I don't really. Oh. I only eat takoyaki if someone gives it to me. I don't generally like, seek it out. So I'm a big fan of Akashiyaki. Um, there's a place in Osaka. It's a secret totally secret place that only if you if you write me and give us a five-star review and write us uh 
I'll uh, I'll send it to you. But yeah, man, uh, akashiyaki is basically like it's a little softer. It's a softer mm. taco than standard takoyaki, and it's comes with soup. So you pour a bowl of soup and then you dip it in the ah. soup and you let it like float in the soup, yes. and uh, yeah, it's delicious. It's really good stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, I love it. Yeah, uh, that's one I was gonna bring up, but okay, I'm, good, so I'm glad good. you brought it up. Yeah. How about okonomiyaki? Because there's a divide in okonomiyaki. Uh, <laughs> Hiroshima has their own style, and Osaka has their own style. Now, of course, where we live, it's kind of hard to find a Hiroshima one, but I actually prefer the Hiroshima one. Do you know the difference? Uh, isn't it that the... Uh, let me see. I, isn't it that the, they mix the batter? In Osaka, they put everything in the batter, and then they fry it. Yeah. But then in uh, in other regions, then they'll, they'll layer on the, the toppings. Yeah, Hiroshima's uh, layered, so you can like kind of individually oh, okay. taste, taste the stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like so it. you prefer that over? I the, think there's the always a fried, one? almost always a fried egg on top of the Hiroshima one, or somewhere in there too, where the Osaka one sometimes doesn't have the fried egg. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah man, there's you could get some good okonomiyaki in this city, though. Man, Tell you there's what. a yeah, there's, <laughs> there's a place, and I don't know if I'm just like romanticizing it because it was like a vacation out here before I lived here, and everything I did on those vacations was like the greatest thing ever. But a friend of our show, Akita, took me to like this place out in the middle of nowhere like far out in the countryside oh yeah yeah uh, have you been there too uh we went but it was closed uh, okay. he, he took me there as well yeah yeah and i haven't had a chance to go go back well, it was a horoman which is like his translation was beef guts <laughs> i think it's like <laughs> intestines and uh yeah i'm not usually a big fan of it but it was a uh, really really good okonomiyaki i just remember it mm. like i'm not like a big foodie I remember like feeling like I could cry. I think I was really hungry. <laughs> I, I had <laughs> eaten all day. But I remember eating it and like almost feeling like emotional. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's a good one. Um, yeah, I think that there, well, the place that I was just talking about that has akashiyaki. I always mm. get the okonomiyaki there and akashiyaki, and uh, we found out that that place. One of the reasons why that place is so busy all the time and there's so many reservations is that uh, it's been Michelin reviewed. Ah. It didn't get a star, but mm-hmm. it got a review. So they're pretty famous now, and it's really hard to get a get a seat. But yeah, it was. It used to be close to my home, and ah oh, man, yeah. When I get my second jab, that's one of the first places I'm going. All right, well, invite me, invite me out. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, another one is Kitsune Udon. I'm not a big Udon person. Um, but Kitsune Udon is from Osaka. I actually would have guessed it was from Kyoto based on what I have heard, but the list we have here says Osaka, and I believe it. Um, basically, it has this very sweet, uh, I don't know how to pronounce it, but like aburage, I think is what it's called. And it's like a tofu, a layered kind of tofu, like a fried tofu, kind yeah, of spongy. It's kind of like a skin, like yeah. a, a tofu skin or something. Yeah, it's it's, it is like a sponge. Yeah. yeah, Yeah, the texture kind of weirds me out. But not my favorite, but if you're into it, very simplistic flavor. People like that. Occasionally, oh, you get it sliced up in, like, miso soup. Yes, and which leads me to, I'm remembering conversations. Generally, soups, so again, I'm, I'm 85% sure I'm right here. Um, things like soba and udon and kanzai, they're more dashi heavy. 
So the, mm-hmm. there's always a dashi and shoyu um, soy sauce and like dashi's fish fish broth. Is that how you describe it? Fish broth yeah, yeah. base. Um, yeah. Kanza is more dashi heavy where it's like mm-hmm. 80% dashi and 20% shoyu. So I don't know, something like that. And then Kanto is the other way around where it's more shoyu based. Okay. So. And less dashi stock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I oh. people who like those two, those aren't soba and udon aren't some of my favorites. Um, apparently there's a pretty big difference out here. Um, I like dashi stock. I think it's yeah, good. I love dashi too. Yeah. Uh, it's one of those things you, a lot of people, you know, are weird about fish or think things are fishy. It's kind of like a stereotype of Asian food. I was, I was one of those people where like, I was really open to it cause I just like Japanese culture and I would try it. But like my natural feeling was like, ah, oh, it's kind of fishy <laughs> or there's like a bit of a smell. But I'll tell you what, after living here, even just like a year, I got totally immune to any like friends and stuff would come out and be like, oh, it's kind of fishy. I'm like, really? I don't taste fish at all. And that, and uh, yeah. No, and some pro tips, if you want to make a um, a food that kind of like a soup that has like a smoky taste to it, go with dashi stock. It, yeah. always, it works every time. If you want like a smoky like curry or something, use mm. dashi stock instead of beef stock. Oh, nice. It's great. Yeah. Uh, little tip, all right. Little culinary Inside. tip out there. <laughs> Inside. Japan 2.0. 2.0 exclusive. <laughs> oh, man. Um I want more. <laughs> the hacks. We haven't done a hack in a while. <laughs> well, there you go. There, that was one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, love it. Uh, Kibidango. Now, Kibidango, I actually only know because of a Wednesday Campanella. She's a musician. Oh. We did a whole episode on her. Uh, and one of her awesome songs, Kamomotaro, maybe my favorite song. A really early big hit for her. Um, the chorus is always the same. Kibidango, Kibidango. And like I got like a translated version of that song because I love it so much. And Momotaro is a famous Okayama is a region of Japan, um, not far from here. And it's where they make jeans and denim and stuff. So I, you know, being a, into Japanese fashions, I, I'm into that area. Anyway, Momotaro is this great story about like a little naked boy who was born from a peach. And uh, yeah, Kibi Dango is also from that region. So Dango is a sticky mochi snack mm-hmm. and yeah kiwi dango is a particular kind of that i never liked dango much but when i had my son ollie kids like it a lot and yeah. uh i started eating it much more so yeah yeah i'm a big fan of uh of mochi in pretty much all forms mm. the terry the one with the teriyaki sauce is still a little weird but i'll eat it somebody gives it to me i'll eat it yeah yeah <laughs> Um, I don't know. I feel bad. There's no Kyoto foods mentioned really on this list, but Kyoto's kind of known for kai seki, um, which is like really high level, multi dish, formal food where you mm-hmm. see like 20 things on the table, a lot of seasonal, very seasonal, regional vegetables. Um, I've never done full on kai seki. I've done things that are kind of like fusion, you know, like the cheap kai seki. Yeah. Uh, yeah. something one of my bucket list things that I would like to do. Yeah. Um Kibi, Yeah, I haven't had Kaiseki out there. The, you know what? I will talk about yeah, I'll talk about a uh, um omiyage that mm. I've become a, a slightly addicted to and that is it's it's translates to the tile roofs of mm. um cuz you know in in Kyoto there are a lot still a lot of tile roofs out there. Yeah. yeah. And um 
it's basically what it is is just like a cinnamon stick that you can uh it's super hard it's like really really hard like i mean it's kind of like a tile or something it's got a big crunch to it it uh you really need to get your saliva in there to like break it down and stuff but i i i love these things because you could actually dip it in coffee and it gets kind of like a biscotti Mm -hmm. and it and it's really really addictive Hmm. it took me a while to get used to them but um you know, my first time eating them, I was like, why, why these? They're not that great. But as time goes on, I mean, it's like a lot of things in Japan. Sometimes things are acquired tastes. And as the more you eat them, the better, the better it gets. Yeah. You know, or in the combination, you know, I don't like red bean all that much. But mm-hmm. um, in certain, certain things, I think it's great. So it just depends, you know, on how it's prepared. And mm. Yeah. And so if you go to, yeah, Kyoto. Tile roofs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up is Shikoku. And uh, I've been there, actually, but not for long. And mm-hmm. this isn't even on the list, but the thing that I always hear about from Shikoku is uh, mi- Mikan. Their oranges and their citruses are renowned and very famous. And um friend of the show, Albert, was just telling me a story last night about the Bosuzoku. The Bosuzoku are a very noisy uh, motorcycle gang of juvenile delinquents typically in japan and they like it's the season now so it's like the beginning of summer and at nighttime they'll keep you awake um (laughs) and one time he was so annoyed by them he told me like the most uh which is uh, the area of shikoku story which is that he threw a mikan or or maybe it was a more specific kind but anyway he threw an orange basically out the window at the bosoku to like get them away from his apartment (laughs) <laughs> and i was like oh man that's so like my stereotype of shikoku in that area shikoku yeah it's like so citrus that the first thing oh, you you grab in your house the and most readily available thing is uh did it citrus work space <laughs> did it get him out of there i don't know i don't know we hey. gotta get elbert on again yeah we definitely do i yeah. would love to have him on uh yeah so that's you know i gotta i can't pass over shikoku. i gotta <laughs> no, at least no, say that's good the one thing i know from there Next up is Kyushu. Uh, what do you know about Kyushu, Matt? You know, to be honest, I don't know anything about Kyushu. I'm not sure oh, what comes from Kyushu. Okay. There's, some, uh, there's something that's... Is it pumpkin? Oh, we got lots. Kyushu is definitely one of the more... Again, of the deeper cuts, you know. Yeah. It's I'm straining my brain. And I can't, Hakata I can't ramen is going to be the big one. So... Um, Hakata ramen is was typically in like these yatai. Yatai is like street food stalls, which sadly aren't bigger deal in Japan. I've talked mm. about in the podcast before, but uh, Kyushu and um, Fukuoka are kind of known for them. Although they are going away, I've heard. And yeah, the ramen was served there, and it is a pork. It's donkatsu ramen. So you know uh, out where we are in Osaka, it's very prevalent. But it actually came from uh, Kyushu. So a lot of the ramen we have out here is like kind of like a regional spin. But the Kyushu one, from my understanding, the Hakata one is kind of the base for mm-hmm. that donkatsu. Um, I will say when I went there for a day, I was like seeking it out and I ate it twice. And I mean, I tried to find like well-reviewed places on Google. But I mean, I was a tourist after all. So I wasn't like really knowing. But it didn't taste like much special, to be honest. It's too bad. But again, I do like more show you based ramens anyway. Um, yeah. 
we're biased I'm, I'm the same yeah so lots of big ones from down there uh mentaiko which is fish eggs or uh, red spicy fish eggs i can't stand it uh mm-hmm. but a lot a lot of people really really like it um champon which is you know uh champon is uh ramen uh like noodles and vegetables it's kind of like uh yakisoba a bit and it's like cooked in a pot but you, you hear about that one a lot what else we got chicken namban chicken mama infamous Ooh. for me that's like yes. that's a food i didn't know about until i lived here and i eat it i don't know twice a month now or i see it all the time i pass on it a lot because it is so readily available yeah uh it's basically, basically fried you, fried yeah fried chicken with uh, like a tartar sauce over the top yeah and if you're think, lucky if you're lucky you'll get like a vinegar sauce with it and that thing that thing is choice yes um they have their own donkatsu down there really really big um so yeah pork again going back to that ramen last but not least we got okinawa have you been to okinawa i can't remember no i haven't yeah maybe i would have gone this year (laughs) (laughs) we'll see yeah i'll go i'll go one day you know it's always been on a plant it's a bucket list place so i'll I'll get there eventually but yeah yeah. the year is only half done maybe we'll go this year yeah yeah it's warmer weather in the the fall so you know here's hoping i've been and it was rainy season so to be honest all we really could do was eat so i got to know the cuisine pretty well mm-hmm. and this might be controversial but for me um worst food i've had in japan has been in okina okinawa um i'm a big fan of japanese food i think it sets the bar really really high and i lived mm. here for a while before i went there and i don't know like uh for me i think there may be more acquired taste they're, they are very unique it's not like a kind of just blah like oh yeah i went to yeah uh tohoku and that it wasn't really that much special so they're going out there they're trying new stuff in okinawa <laughs> not new but uh it's diverse from what we have yes yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a different cuisine so some of the yeah. ones that it's a lot known of pork. F- for yep are uh champlu so like samurai champlu if you're an anime nerd like us mm-hmm. um this is like a like an egg based like an egg stir fry almost and it has another very very famous uh regional food in it which is goya goya Goya? yeah no i I was gonna mention goya because i love it yeah yeah um i know i know it's definitely an acquired taste very bitter Mm. uh it's very similar to soursop back home uh if you're familiar with that gourd it's basically like a gourd it's really bumpy it's got like a lot of bumps on it and I actually, if you grill it up like real quick with some some soy sauce, uh, you could have a nice a nice uh, kind of like pickle, and uh, it gets a good consistency. And I, it's very unique. One thing sure that I, I, I love about Japanese foods, and especially the ones that are a little more di- um, divisive, is that uh, you get textures you don't get anywhere else. Like I've never, I've eaten things, and I'm like, this is a different texture <laughs> than. I've gotten before, and Goya is one of those. That's a good point. Japan's not always known for its strong flavors; quite the opposite, actually. Um, so it can be underwhelming or very nuanced sometimes, depending where you're from. But you brought a good point. Something I haven't thought of, but it makes a lot of sense. And that I've had a lot of strange textures in Japan. I've had soft things, like a egg. Uh, no, what's it called? Uh, jellyfish. 
like again that's probably uh, goes back to china or something but i have had a yeah. lot of jelly, jellyfish here and i never had it before and it's so soft but also crunchy at the same time yeah oh, such a weird texture too <laughs> yeah it is weird <laughs> um, konyaku was one of the weird ones mm, it, for yeah, sure where i was like it should be softer but it's not it's like it's like more i don't know dense all right last one okinawa that i don't really like but it's pretty well known is taco rice i think my issue mm. with taco, taco rice is the name if it was called yeah. like spicy japanese rice or something like that i'd be like okay yeah but i think it's because i have an expectation of like what a taco should be yeah or like what tacos are and it just seems like really gentrified like where i grew up like my mom doesn't listen to this podcast but it tastes like my mom's tacos which a lot of people would say in an endearing <laughs> way but i grew up in like white white suburbia uh where we just had like old el paso stuff and yeah i get the feeling it's like the army army guys you know um this is like what they made back in the 50s or something yeah i was surprised to learn that it went back to like the 1960s mm. like I, I was surprised to hear that taco rice was that old but um like you were saying, it's not authentic taco and nobody's trying to make it like any more authentic. I think if they did, there's yeah. some potential there. Like, oh, I mean, rice, sure. rice goes great with like Mexican cuisine. Right. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but basically what it is, is just ground beef or pork with uh, taco seasoning mm-hmm. and that's it. You could get taco seasoning pretty easily in this country, but like taco shells and, and you know, tortillas and things like that that's like a lot harder to find so i imagine um, if you're living in japan in like the 70s or 80s or even 90s there's probably like no decent mexican food um Mm -hmm. i mean even us in 10 years or so here right it's right when we first moved here it wasn't great um i bet you i would have liked taco rice i've been like so desperate you know 20 30 years ago like oh this this is good taste of home but taste of taco bell (laughs) spoiled now yeah it's better (laughs) <laughs> um, you know it, it always seems to be prepared like very poorly too like i mean i don't it, it's not prepared nicely like it doesn't yeah. come on nice plates or japan no, that's so rare yeah. like the presentation is so important here yeah they just slice a tomato in half and you're lucky if you get that on there a little lettuce or something yeah. Yeah, i will say really my sister-in-law no cheese ah uh, yeah some places i have a decent oh, place maybe. in my town here that will put cheese on it but Okay. Uh, friend of the show, my sister-in-law, Crystal, who's been on a couple episodes. She's a very good cook, and she makes foods from all over the world. She's never making the same thing. And she, I will say she makes taco rice pretty often. So, like, again, people do like it. She can make real good, like, very good Tex-Mex. So I don't know mm-hmm. why she chooses to make taco rice. Like, I think it's just easy. Like, you don't want to yeah, go to, like, yeah. a specialty grocery store. You just want to go around the corner. But you want something kind of familiar. I mean, if you have the the packet, you could make it in like five minutes. If you have rice yeah. made, yeah. It would I think be we talked about taco rice thing the longest make. of any of the, <laughs> <laughs> no, which is it's, not it's so easy to talk about something you don't true. like, right? Um, nah, yeah. Anyhow, I think that's kind of it for regional foods before we move on to seasonal foods, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think uh, we should take a break right here. Uh, mm-hmm. Listen to the, the sweet, sweet sounds of Tokyo Banana. Hey everyone, this is uh, David coming at you from post-production here. We actually decided to cut this episode into two different episodes. Uh, So we're obviously talking a lot throughout the episode about seasonal food as well. Um, So you'll have to wait another couple weeks for that one. 
Um, but look forward to it. It's a good one. Uh, as always, uh, check us out on social media. We're going to try to post more. We're both on vacation now. And we got a lot of good photos of food. So check those out. And uh, look forward to hearing from you and uh, putting out some new content. だから手がつがつやりすぎがめつさばすがつばくはつなかのバカをやいちゃってあざといなこりチャンス金枠で踏んだバナナさしでファンが今日も投げるぞ草紛る走る汁図安倍に投げるに丸一六東京バナナ